Welcome to Career Tools. This week, multiple jobs in one company and your resume. Here we go. We get this question a lot. It comes up on the forums at least once a month. So I'm so glad yeah. we're doing this podcast and we'll just be able to say, there's a podcast about that. And, and you know what's funny about this is I never had any, because I went to the academy, we didn't have resumes. And then when I got out, I had some, got out of the military, I had some help creating a resume. And I always knew the way this was supposed to be done. So when I see it done not this way, I'm really surprised that there's a meme, that there's a thought that th this would be the way because I understand why companies want it the way we recommend it. It just seems that the recommendation, I don't really get it, uh, confuses people. And I think there are people that actually believe that staying a long time at one company is bad. Is it possible that that it's kind of flipped over now and what used to be you try to spend 40 years at a company, now literally the opposite is true in a healthy percentage of the, of the population? Yeah, I think there's definitely some people that believe that you should be changing jobs every three or four years or, or even two years, which is, which is short. But um, it, it's really not true and it's really never been true. Everybody's career has its own rhythm and and you can see when you look at a lot of res resumes you can see a rhythm and if you change once every 10 years but in those 10 years you've been growing you've been changing roles you've been taking on more responsibility and and you only have four companies in your entire 40-year career that's absolutely fine there's n there's nothing right. wrong with it and there's nothing wrong with it if you change every two years as well it's just the the way your career panned out so there's no kind of, it's, it's a bit of one of those things that they're both different, but then neither of them are wrong. Right. Good. Okay. So tell us what we're going to talk about. So um, give jo each job its own section. Use the space you have to describe the highest activities that you did in that job first, and then right. tell, tell a story of growth within the company. Yeah, I think that's the big, to me, the third point here is the big one, that people just don't realize that if you stay in one company you can show growth and mm -hmm. the, it can be just as growing as being hired away to go do some better job. Yeah. Okay, good. Let, let's start with give each job its own section. This is the thing that trips people up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is the most kind of the, the basic advice that the other stuff is kind of more complex and, but you have to get this bit for right first. So, okay. um, each job on your resume has what we call an admin header which is the date you were there the job title and the company you worked for in that order in bold and underlined right that header is the start of everyone and then you have responsibilities right after that in a prose like paragraph mm -hmm. and then you have accomplishments in bullet format right exactly right. And, I, and and so the key here is when you say each job gets its own section each job, guys, if you change jobs within a company or between companies, those jobs get their own section. If you have five jobs at Microsoft, there are five admin sections, responsibilities, paragraph, and accomplishment bullets, right? Yeah, exactly. And Wendy, I think that, do you think it's because people worry about repeating the company name, like in an administrative way? Because we recommend if you have five jobs at Microsoft or at Procter & Gamble or at 7-Eleven or at XYZ Corporation, you list each one of those jobs and you list that company name repeatedly. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why 
why yeah. people okay. don't want to do that. But this is this is the way to do it. If you're a recruiter, there's nothing there's nothing more frustrating than than you look at a job and you think, uh huh, and then you look at the next job and you think, oh, where were they? And you have to go back. And the next job right. you go, where were they? And you have to go back. It's it's just it just takes longer, and we haven't got that time. So right. Plus, in, in a job in a job where you're moving companies and maybe but maybe you have two jobs each time you have to have a carriage return a company name and then another carriage return between each of those jobs you're losing valuable space by having a line where you list the company then followed by the jobs underneath it yeah yeah it definitely doesn't it doesn't sp- save space to do it any other way this is as, as yeah. space efficient as space. any uh, um yeah yeah, it saves space over some formats, and it's as, as space efficient as any other, as some of the formats yeah. that people have suggested before. Okay, so keep going. So the next part of this is we're still under this same heading, but we want to suggest some of the way, the, some of the other ways you might think about doing this and why you wouldn't do that. So we all already talked about space. Um, I already talked about not having the company name at the top of the page and then jobs underneath with their titles because it, it forces the reader to keep going to the top of the page and it's just frustrating and frustrating resumes don't get interviews. To be real clear, we, we, we have in the show notes, we have an example of three jobs at one company. I mentioned Microsoft because that's the example we have um, so that those of you who are licensees will be able to see quite specifically how we recommend repeating the company name each time. Okay? Yeah. You don't want to put, this is another option that people sometimes suggest, which is to put the whole time they were at the company in one big block. So they would put, in, in this case, in the in the example we're using, we have January 06 until September 13th at Microsoft. And then some people would put the, all of their responsibilities and all the jobs they've held in one block and then all of oh, their gosh. accomplishments underneath. That doesn't make that any. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to to a recruiter or a hiring manager. You have to remember that. Well, in my in my experience, hiring managers and recruiters are pretty cynical. And if you have it all in one blog, I, my my cynical mind would say, okay, I bet you were brilliant for the first three years, and for the last twelve, you've done nothing at all. Because I can't tell. It's one big block, and so you know those accomplishments could have happened any time. Yeah, I, I would even say there's something even harder than that was even if I'm not that cynical, maybe I'm a young recruiter, so I haven't been, you know, I haven't d- developed the full cynical Monty. What happens is we have to go through and figure out which accomplishments are for which responsibilities, mm-hmm. which is work. And because accomplishments are often written so poorly and the responsibilities are so vague, we can't be sure what you did how well you did in any one job. And folks, over and over again, we've said this, uh, and maybe this is your first resume cast that you've heard with us, in which case, you please, we encourage you to go listen to the others, and it might be good for you to buy the resume workbook. I think it's 25 or 30 bucks or something like that, that basically tells you step-by-step how to create your resume in the way that recruiters like to read it. Not that people on the internet like to tell you how to do it with with uh, overarching goals and summary paragraphs with lots of adverbs that everybody says that mean nothing. It's a very linear, a very spare, a very accomplishment and responsibilities or oriented resume. 
But what we're looking for in your resume, what, what we as recruiters or hiring managers or people who see a lot of resumes are looking for, are what jobs you've done and how well you've done them. If you put everything in one block, that basically says, you want to know that I was at Microsoft. And then whatever I did at Microsoft is all jumbled together. That doesn't work for us. We don't think in terms of companies. We think in terms of jobs. Secondly, if you have it in all one big block and it's all jumbled or mashed together, I can't tell how well you did in any one of those jobs because the responsibilities and accomplishments in our minds are linked. Mm -hmm. If you had three sales jobs with increasingly larger responsibilities and you say noted as top salesperson, I don't know, and you say 1988, I don't necessarily know when that was and I don't know whether it was the easiest one of your sales jobs or the hardest one. Uh, I don't know whether it was on a group of five or a group of 50 or whether it was a national award or a local award. And those big paragraphs that you're talking about, Wendy, just drive me nuts. <laughs> because again, I can't tell what you did and how well you did it. I mean, I can see two or three jobs that to me seem pretty closely related in a sense that I don't think we got a big promotion between them. But if I see you performing at a high level, remember folks, in a downturn, we're recording this in 2013, in a downturn in the last five years, not a lot of people have gotten a lot of big promotions. If you've performed at a high level, you might end up staying in a job or getting a, a slight increase in title, which isn't all that impressive. And you might think, nobody's gonna think I got promoted, that's not good. Actually, not the case. We know, we may be cynical, but we know that the last few years have been hard on people's backgrounds. We do need to see what you did in the job so we can see that you try your best to excel. We're trying to fill you in to a role. We want to know that for that role, you're gonna do great things, or at least you're capable of doing great things. And so, yeah, the big block really, really frustrates me. I mean, I just, yeah, I'm fully cynical now. I, the full Monty's been done and I'm, <laughs> I just roll my eyes. I literally say, well, I'm not gonna work that hard. And, and, and folks, this is why Wendy and I are so direct about resumes. People say all the time, oh, they only look at our resumes for 10 seconds. Well, there are two reasons for that. We're pretty good at reading resumes, and there are a lot of resumes we only take one second with, like ones with a gigantic block of stuff. <laughs> one gigantic paragraph encompassing what in our example on the show notes is like seven years. We just look and we go one second, oh, no, we're not, not going to do that. That would, take, that would take three or four minutes to understand and in this pile of 100 resumes, there's one that I don't need to understand that is exactly who I want. And maybe two or three others that are close. So the reason there's an average of 10 seconds is there's a bunch of one-second looks. And this is one of the ones that gets one second, these big blocks. Mm -hmm. and, and the moment we see them, we think you're trying to hide something. And yes. if you're trying oh, to hide yeah. something, yeah. I don't want to know. Uh, and, and, you know, you might not be hiding something, but this is one of the things that people use to hide things. And I'm sorry, but you're just going to get tarred with that brush and the resume is going to yeah. go reject. Yep, exactly. So what do you do if the company changes its name during this period or is bought out? So that's something uh, something else that people concerns people so the company just changes name or it's bought by someone else and they change the name to a combined name or they change the name to the bigger company's name right. so the first thing the first piece of guidance is don't violate the guidance we've already given you so still have separate sections for each role and then list the company name as it was originally for the role when you were you were in it so if you've got the job and it was Microsoft, 
then it's listed as Microsoft. If you stayed at Microsoft and Microsoft got bought out by Dell, <laughs> just have a little fantasy yeah. here. Uh, oh, come on. And you changed <laughs> change jobs and the, and the company was now Dell, then the next that job now has Dell as the company. So if you have enough space, you can write company X, formerly company Y, or um, the other way around, company X became company Y. If you have enough space, and, and that kind of depends on your job titles being short, and some people's job titles really aren't short. So if you can't make it work, don't worry about it too much. The, the hiring managers are pretty savvy to what's going on in their industry, yes. you know, what's going on. I, I worked for a company that was bought out, was bought out by IBM. And everybody who was a competitor to IBM knew they bought this company. So the moment they saw it on somebody's resume, they were like, okay, were you there when IBM bought it out? Or did you leave around the same time or whatever? They know. So it seems to be one of those things that people worry about a lot, but it's yeah. it's much less of a worry to a hiring manager or a recruiter than you think it is. Right. So let me make sure I understand you here. So let's say you're at a small company for a year. IBM buys them out. So they were XYZ. And then a year later, you leave that company and go somewhere else. I think there are people who are listening, just based on what you just said, that might think, well, they would list their job as XYZ. And there are people who go, oh, darn, because we must have been doing good. IBM bought us. Mm -hmm. that, that reflects well on me. And so I want IBM somewhere on my resume. So what would they do if they started a job as XYZ, IBM bought them after a year, and a year later they left that role. They were in the role for two years. And again, guys, remember the role is what matters, not the company. So we're only going to have one paragraph here. In the middle, it became IBM. What would they put on their admin line? Would it be IBM, formerly XYZ? You can do it either way. You can do IBM, formerly XYZ, or you can do XYZ, became IBM or bought by IBM. It depends on the on the amount of space you have. I would prefer to see the company that you worked for originally that gave you the original job. I just think that's more honest around, you know, if you put IBM first, there's a little bit of me that's like, you're just bragging about oh, something you, you didn't IBM. do. Yeah. yeah. But we're not saying that they can't put IBM. No, we're right? not. That's, the, that's really important, yeah. Now, because because I think what what people would be led to believe that if they stayed and then they changed roles, the next role would have been IBM, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, just IBM, not IBM formerly XYZ, just IBM. It just be IBM. Yeah. If you've got those two jobs, so if you had the job at XYZ and then you had the job at IBM and, and IBM bought the company, you can put the formerly or the bought by on either line. Yeah. But again, I would prefer it to see it on the company you originally started with by. bought yeah. by IBM yeah. but it really depends on space and it's not so critical that I fall on my sword about it folks she Wendy brings up an interesting point you'll notice that she says she slightly prefers to know where you were hired I agree it's a little bit more precise I like it um, and yet as she was talking I was thinking well as I'm leaving the job I'm an IBM but she makes a good point I was hired by XYZ this brings up one of the fundamental underpinnings of resumes that we believe at Manager Tools and Career Tools. And we try to teach you both what to do, the details, and we also try to help you understand why you do it so that if you get in a situation where you're not sure, you'll have the, the why and be able to make your own call. 
We believe, and most many people in the world don't believe this, that your resume be, should be persuasively truthful. Okay? And what we mean when we say that is truthfulness is the core of it. Okay? Your resume must be truthful. You start with truthfulness, and then you do your best to make it persuasive. That's persuasively truthful. Okay? What most people do is say, I want to make my resume truthfully persuasive. In other words, the core of what they're trying to do is persuade, and then they're going to do their best to make it truthful. And I think that gets people in hot water. They think, well, I won't mention XYZ, I'll just put IBM. And they'll say, gee, it looks like you were here for a couple of years in IBM, but did you get hired by IBM? And then you have to say no. And now the cat is out of the bag. And now there's another look in the middle of that screening interview. Or if somebody's smart and they know you were at IBM for two years, but they also know what specialty you were in and they're just reading your resume, they're like, hey, this guy put IBM, but he wasn't at IBM this whole time. IBM only inquired them in the last four months. He's making it look as good as possible. So that's why Wendy recommends XYZ by IBM. Yeah, you get to put IBM on your resume, but you're not going to try to hide that you weren't hired by IBM. And IBM and Procter & Gamble and many other companies in the world are what is known as a signaling effect. In the same way that going to Oxford or Harvard or Stanford or, or Yale uh, or Princeton sends a message that this person has already been through a rigorous hiring process, a vetting process. It signals something about what you're dealing with those kinds of things make a difference. It's always better to have nothing but top 50 companies in the world on your resume. You don't have, it's better, but you can't claim that if it's not true. And so that's why Wendy says, I wanna have XYZ on the resume and then acquired by IBM. The key is persuasively truthful. You start with truthful and then you do your best to modify it to be persuasive without ever losing the truthfulness. You don't start with persuasive because that motivates you to cut corners and resumes have sharp eyes and they're gonna see something and the moment there's a question about whether or not you were trying to mislead, the assumption is you were and, and there's no getting over that ethics charge, if you will. Sorry, I probably took too long with that one. Exactly. No, it was good. It was it was helpful. And I was just thinking about why you, when you said that about when I, I, the company that I worked for, I worked for IBM and the company was acquired. And I would know from someone's resume, if I said to you, did you work at Sunbury or Weybridge? And they said Weybridge, I would know that they worked at the company that was bought out. So you really can't hide it. Like, because the locations, right. even the locations are, I mean, Sunbury and Weybridge, for anybody who's not British, are about four miles apart. But it's enough for me to know which company, whether you were the company yeah. that was bought out or whether you were always at IBM. So really don't try and hide it. Good. So the second point is use the space you have to describe your highest activities first. So another thing that concerns people is if they've been in a job for like four years and they think, okay, I came in as... Uh, let's see, a programmer. And the first thing I did, um, my first year, basically I got a piece of the work breakdown with pretty specific instructions and I coded to that. Someone put them together and then they were QA'd. In my second year, I did some of the work breakdown stuff, but then I kind of put those pieces together as well and I told the QA people what I thought they should QA. 
In the third year, I worked with some of the customers to try and work out what the work breakdown stuff was, but I also did the coding and I also did a bit with QA. And in my fourth year, I didn't have a change of job title, but I was telling the new guys which bits of the work breakdown they were going to do and giving them the specific instructions as to what to code as well as doing my own coding. So there's some growth in that role. Yes. And and they want to say, um, okay, so I did this kind of coding with this kind of program using these these kind of structures. But I also want to tell people that I was directing work and talking to the customer and all those kind of things. So what you want to start with is the highest responsibilities. So in that example, that would be talking to customers. It would be directing other people's work and it would be facilitating QA and the consolidation of work. And I think in a lot of cases, the reason people have a concern here is because they know that the first layer stuff that they did in the very beginning of the role are often associated with that job title. And they believe the job title is somehow a negative because it can be a very junior set of things as opposed to what they were doing in the end of the role. And what you're saying is you get credit for everything you did, but also you can't put everything on your resume. Mm -hmm. And so if you stayed in one role for four years, you get full credit for the stuff you did at the end. And that's the stuff you want to put on. It's truthful. You were responsible for that. And it's persuasive. You certainly wouldn't list the initial level responsibilities that you grew out of over four years. Because if you did that, if you listed every single thing you did in a four-year role, you literally wouldn't have any room but for responsibilities. Exactly. That's a job description. Okay. And takes four pages. Yeah, exactly. Oh, good. Yeah, exactly right. And a, and a responsibilities paragraph is, by definition, a culled down, a, a simplified, a more, a more dense job description, but it's not a full job description. Exactly. And every recruiter knows, every hiring manager knows that you, what's on your resume is a summary. It's not everything you've done. And it's certainly not, not everything you did in your first week because nobody does any work in their first week or, you know, and they only do small things in their first year. As a recruiter, I'd never write printed out resumes and stapled them together on my resume, but uh, that's a big part of a recruiter's job. And it wasn't till I was pretty senior that I had an admin to do it for me, but I wouldn't put it on my resume. So right. it is a summary and it's supposed to be a, representata- a re- representation of your best working self, the things that you've done, which are the most impressive. So like, don't deny yourself the opportunity to be impressive by thinking that you have to write all those low-level things on there. Just know that the, the hiring manager will intuit that these are the best things you ever did. And, and there was other stuff, but it doesn't fit on the piece of paper. Okay, and the last one. This is the one that I like that everybody misses, which is tell a story of growth within the company. Yeah, exactly. So I started by saying um, everybody's career has a different rhythm, which is true. Right. Some people have a lot of movement early in their career and then find somewhere to fit and they stay there. Some people move around. People sometimes stay around and, and increase their experience. And it really doesn't matter. What matters is the hiring manager doesn't want to read your resume and think this person has done exactly the same thing for the last 15 years. So I I came up with an example. So suppose Gary works in a widget factory and for the last 15 years he's worked on the line making widgets. 
Most weeks he meets his quota, he's never sick, or he's rarely sick. He's picked up the changes in how widgets are made over the last 15 years, but pretty much he's a solid line worker making widgets, and that's he is right. he is happy. He goes home at every, every day at five, doesn't think about work until the next morning, makes model trains because that's his real passion, and he is happy, which is good. We need people like that. He works to live. He doesn't live to work. Exactly. And then there's maybe Jason. And he starts on the line with Gary. And in his first six months, he meets this quota every week, apart from the first four weeks. In the second six months, he makes a suggestion that enables the company to save time with the packing for widgets. And his third, second, third, third years, he's cross-trained on all the other roles in his team. He takes time in his lunch hours and his breaks to watch the old hands and see if he can like pick up any tricks that they're using. And by his fourth year, he's a supervisor. And he develops this reputation for caring for his guys, but being pretty demanding about the quotas. And so his results are good, and they make him supervisor of two lines. And then he makes a few more changes and saves some more time. And when there's a new product, they ask Jason, how should we set up the line? And by year 10, he's in charge of the whole floor. And by year 15, he's director of production, and he's looking for a change. He's looking for a bigger company to make widgets with. Right. And okay. so he's been in a company for 15 years, the same as Gary, but he can show growth. Every year he's done something more. Every year he's either contributed, whether it was in his job description to do so or not, he has looked for ways to do things better, to make suggestions, to just just to help the company. And he's been rewarded for that by his promotions. That's what you want to be able to show on your on your resume, that growth through even though you're at the same company, your growth as you make a bigger contribution. Right. And, and I think that from a metadata perspective, when we sit back and look at a resume, if you've been in one job for a long time, uh, you can show a high level of performance in that job. But unless you're going for a job very similar to that or slightly better, then being one job for a long, long time isn't necessarily a plus. Now, if you've only been in the job for two years, you've only been in the, the professional world for two years, we're not worried about growth in those two years necessarily. Um, what I think is interesting is, in this case, Gary could, in fact, if he's doing a good job, could post for other jobs or, or be available. He'd have to write a resume that shows how well he did the job he did. And there might be some question about whether or not he has growth. But in this case, the job changes that Jason had would be indicated in that one company by simply new responsibilities and or a new new responsibilities paragraphs, new individual paragraphs of jobs. Mm-hmm. And we see in Jason's resume, we see a series of blocks of text. And we quickly scan and realize they're all at whatever company it is. And we realize, ah, there's a progression of growth there. And that interests us. If you put that all in one gigantic block, I mean, seriously, we would have a connection. Yeah, it would not be good, and we wouldn't but, see that yeah. kind of growth, right? It wouldn't. It just wouldn't right. be visible from from yeah. just looking at like the glance that you first have at the resume. Yeah, good. Okay, so you want to sum up? Yeah. So the secret with resumes, you've already said, is to be persuasively truthful. You can't lie on your resume if you're going to call yourself a professional, but you can make the truth persuasive by choosing what to write and how to write it. So give each job its own section 
Use the space you have to describe the highest activities first and tell a story of growth within the company. And if you can't do that yet, start thinking about it now so that you can in the future. Thanks, everybody. Hopefully we'll get less questions about this topic now in the future. Come back next week. After all, it's Career Tools, and it's always good 